0: Hey there and welcome to the Kingdom Dynamics Podcast where I will equip you to see the Kingdom of God. To bear fruit as you understand the word of the Kingdom Government of Jesus Christ that He preached. I will help you to weed out of your heart, out of your mind the weeds of the Pharisees' teaching, the weeds of religious and political teaching, the worries and the cares of this world so that you can bear fruit. You and I are going to live forever in heaven, which is going to be on the earth. I can't wait to see you on the other side. Righteousness. I just want to talk a little bit about righteousness It is the most amazing concept, it's the most amazing thing, it's the most amazing idea that God would impart his righteousness to us. God who is holy, who is eternal fire, he's so pure that if he was to set foot on the earth it would be destroyed. That's biblical, if the Father was to set foot on the earth it would be destroyed and yet abraham was considered righteous because of his faith and the bible is absolutely clear righteousness is like citizenship it's the ability to stand before god it's it's identity it's holiness that no one can stand before god unless they are righteous you will be utterly destroyed And yet the Bible is clear that righteousness comes by faith. It is a result of believing in your heart. It's a result of your heart believing the truth from your heart, from really believing it. The Bible says that we are righteous by believing And we are saved by our mouth, by our speaking, by our declaration. So the identity, the access, the citizenship, the ownership comes by our heart agreeing with God. Jesus was saying basically repent, agree with God, change your mind and agree with God. And then... Your mouth is your way to cash in on that citizenship. Your mouth is the implementation of what you own. It's the implementation of your rights. It's the implementation of your citizenship. It's the cashing in of your identity. For example, Jesus said, Ask and you shall receive. Speak to the mountain. And it will be removed. As you lay hands on the sick and as you cast out demons, all of these require an activity, an action, and an output. So, first you believe in your heart, which gives you citizenship, it gives you access, it gives you ownership, it gives you righteousness, it gives you identity. And then you speak with your mouth, which is. The implementation, it manifestation, it brings it into reality. Romans 10 For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And this is consistent. So salvation is sozo, salvation is manifestation. Salvation is when you get physically healed, when you physically walk out of prison when you physically change righteousness is is even better than that in a sense because righteousness is eternal righteousness changes who you are changes your identity you are given a new heart it doesn't matter even if you die in prison you're going to go to heaven you know the value of your identity the value of your righteousness is more important than than the physical manifestation of salvation. Salvation is sozo. Salvation is when you become healed. So you're already saved in a sense because you're righteous. So even if you died, you'd go to heaven, but you're not saved in the sense of you know the moment you get born again it doesn't mean that all your problems go away so you're saved but you're not saved you're you're healed but you're not healed cuz it requires manifestation it requires a a change and an action so for me I was not looking for god I was not going to church. I was not in a family that believed God, and yet he chose me. The Bible says at just the right time, Christ died for us. So I walked into this crazy church that was operating in a rented gymnasium in a high school, and only on a Sunday. So I walked in there on a Sunday at just the right time, and I became righteous because I believed and I confessed with my hat, my mouth and I was saved. So immediately I quit smoking drugs. I never smoked drugs again from that very hour. My, But it was a process. It took me about another year to totally get off um, cigarettes and other forms of medication. It took me about two to three years to really get my act together physically and emotionally and spiritually and financially. And I ended up doing Bible college and starting my own business. And even that took a long, long time. And even now, I'm still working out my salvation with fear and trembling. It's what the Bible says. We're working it out. So righteousness is my identity. It's who I am. I am righteous. I am as holy as God. I know that sounds sacrilegious, but it's the truth. If I was not as holy as God, I would not be able to be the physical temple for his spirit. How can I forgive sins if I'm not holy? You know, God in Proverbs chapter 6, he detests, you know, a lying tongue and false scales and all of these seven things. So how would he let me judge the angels? Because I'm righteous. Psalm 23, he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. So I'm now his responsibility. He is going to lead me only in righteous pathways. He's not going to lead me into temptation, but he's going to deliver me from evil. Now, I can willfully sin, but I would be in a great, big, bit of trouble for that hebrews said you know people died in the desert from the angels disobeying the angels but if you disobey the living god you are going to be worse off than those who died in the desert well what's worse off than dying you know jesus said to the woman caught in the act of adultery go and sin no more unless something worse happened to you well what's worse than being stoned to death It's called going to hell, you know. (laughs) So we are righteous because of what Jesus Christ did. It is nothing that we did. It is only by faith. And then because we are righteous, we are as if we are God. And that's the one revelation that the church doesn't really want you to know because you know, often the church is religious and the church wants your money, they want your seating, they want you to really, as an organization, as an institution, they want you to sit down and shut up and pay your tithes, you know, because it's it's good for them to maintain their industry. But if you were to really change, if you were to really believe the Bible and be God on the earth, you wouldn't take you know, no for an answer. You would expect there to be signs and wonders and miracles. You would expect there to be order in the church. You would expect there to be equality. You know, you wouldn't be willing to take a political mandate. For example, my son goes to a lovely school, great school, but when they open up the assembly... When the school celebrates a a, a a meeting an assembly, what do they do? They they thank the Aboriginal people first. Now this is a Catholic school, mind you. The Catholic school is meant to be Catholic. It's meant to be Christian, but this is the way that they open their their assembly. The first thing they say is. As we begin today, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which our school sits and on which we are meeting. We pay our respects to the Elders, both past and present and future, for they hold the memories, traditions, cultures and hopes of Aboriginal Australia. We must remember that always under the concrete and asphalt that this land is, was and always will be Aboriginal land. Now... I would hope that we would acknowledge God, you know, that we would actually have God as our idol, not the Aboriginal elders. Now, there's nothing wrong with respect, there's nothing wrong with culture, but we have actually partnered with a political spirit. You know, everywhere in Australia, all of our schools are coming under this. You know, we, we can't read the Bible. We can't say Christmas. We have to say Xmas. You know, what I'm saying is the word of God is is disappearing. But this is what God's saying today, okay? Holy, holy, holy. We love Hosea. Where are you, Hosea? Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is the time to seek the Lord until he come and rain righteousness upon you. I'm currently doing the recording for my uh, Maturity in Christ course, which is the third course in a series of courses. So I've done seven episodes on the kingdom of God, ten episodes on personal management. That's called the Overcomers series. And it's all to do with gardening, which is your gates, your boundaries. What are you letting in to your eyes, your mouth, your nose, your ears? Where are you allowing your feet to, to, to tread? It's all about management. And then the third and final course for now is on maturity, but maturity is all about growth. And I lay a foundation that the kingdom of God is all about growth because God is all about life. God is alive. He is alive and he wants to expand. He wants to expand his kingdom. The kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Go into all the world and fill the earth. Subdue the earth. Multiply. Fill the earth with humans. God wants to expand. The universe is expanding. The stars are continuing to be formed in the universe and expand. Every sea creature is multiplying, and it will not stop until God stops it. God is alive, and God is a, a life-giving, life-breathing, life-celebrating, life-perpetuating spirit. And Jesus Christ being God is all about life. The kingdom of God is about life. Now, life exists in an ecosystem. It exists in a structure. A bird grows in a nest, a fish grows in the ocean, and a man grows in God. If you take a bird out of a nest, it dies. If you take a fish out of water, it dies. And if you take mankind out of God, he dies. So when God turned up to Adam and Eve in the garden and said, where are you? It's not because God didn't know where he was. It was because God was wondering why Adam hadn't turned up to work that day. In other words, you know, God turns up to the office and he's like the CEO of the company and he's he's looking for his general manager. So he rings him on his cell phone and says, Adam, where are you? You know, why didn't you come to work today? Because we are in partnership managing the earth. I'm telling you guys, this is the secret of the kingdom. Man is made in the exact image of his father God who is perpetuating life and he wants man to partner with him in subduing the earth. And I believe when we're finished subduing the earth, we're going to do it on other planets as well because there's no limit. God could not limit man. He had to in Babel, in Genesis chapter 6. It said, if we don't come down and stop them, mankind, there is nothing that they cannot do. That they imagine, that means time travel. That means, you know, nuclear fusion. You know, that means unend. Un- that means space travel. I mean, that means teleportation. We have imagined these things. Okay, so we are not limited by God. We are going to live forever. We are going to manage the earth. Remember, we don't go to heaven. Okay, we don't go to heaven. Yes, there is a moment when the saints are waiting for God to come and judge the earth. In Revelation, the saints are crying out for for justice, for their blood to be avenged. And yes, Jesus said to the man on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. But remember, heaven and earth will pass away. So why do you want to go there? (laughs) I don't want to stay on this earth forever because it's going to be dissolved. It's going to be dissolved like a barocca vitamin B tablet in water. It's going to be dissolved, okay? It's going to disappear because the Bible is clear. There is going to be a new heaven and a new earth that never pass away. That's where we're going to remain. We're going to remain on a hybrid, hybrid heaven and earth. Heaven and earth will become one. And this is who God is. He is all filling and all inclusive. Jesus was very inclusive. He said, I call you friends. A servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but you are my friends. Paul said, We know the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We have his mind. We know God's will. Don't say you don't know God's will. You know God's will. Paul said, You need no one to teach you, sorry, said John, but you have an anointing from the Father. Jesus said, don't worry when you stand in front of people to testify. I will give you the words when you open your mouth, okay? So you need to understand that the end result is this. Satan is the opposite of God, okay, and he is not God. He is a fallen angel so he is a servant okay of god who who rebelled and created a second kingdom there was no kingdom of darkness until satan fell okay so he created a second kingdom that is only focused on death because jesus christ is only focused on life and i know you don't get this so listen Jesus Christ in John 10.10 said, I have come to give life and to give life unlimited, okay? Life abundant, life perpetual. So when the devil comes, there's death. To steal is to kill something. To kill is to kill something. To destroy is to kill something. If you look at a bacteria under a microscope, it is alive. If you look at a bacteria under a microscope, it is multiplying, it is moving. Life is moving. If you steal something, it's no longer moving. If you take that bacteria away from the the glass plate, it's not there, it's gone. It's dead. And if you kill something, it's dead. And if you destroy something, it's dead. So, God is actually about life. So he does not want anyone to have cancer. He does not want anyone to die. He doesn't want anyone to die young. You know, I believe God's happy to take all of us in the way that he took Enoch, who never died. Enoch just just walked into eternity. He stepped out of this natural realm into the spiritual realm with his body, you know, I bet you could mathematically measure that there are certain atoms in the universe that are missing because energy is transferred. If I burn your body, the energy is transferred into heat. You know, your body is turned into, into ash and into dust. Even, if, even the smoke from your body, it continues and it exists in the universe in some form or another. However, Enoch is gone. So, if you were to weigh the universe, if you could create a computer powerful enough to measure, there's about 90 kilograms missing for Enoch, and Jesus is missing. His body is missing, so that's another 80 kilos, so that's 170 kilos. It's missing, and the universe wants it back, you know, so, and then... Elijah is missing because he was taken up in a chariot. You know, I think about these things. So there's, you know, around 200 kilograms of matter minimum that is missing from the universe. Anyway, so what I'm saying to you is that your most valuable asset is your righteousness. You are the same as God in that you are you are perfect. Jesus said, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So you and I have been given this incredible gift. It is free. And it is like being given citizenship. If I owned a really famous nightclub, you know, or a really famous art gallery, or a really famous restaurant, there would be certain people in the world who would be given access, who would be given a medallion or a membership. You know, if you're a police officer, you carry a badge. That badge is just a piece of paper. It's just plastic or, or, or copper. It isn't valuable in itself. What's valuable is the fact that you are an authorized police officer. You have made a decision. You have made a decision to become somebody. You've made a decision to agree with a certain set of standards, with a certain set of values. You have been accepted into an organization. And the same as being a Christian, if you really are a Christian, the Bible says you have to believe. So if you believe God, that is accredited to you as righteousness, but believing God is with your heart. You see, Jesus said, if you forgive men from your heart, you you know, forgiveness isn't saying, I forgive you. Forgiveness, according to Jesus, is a change. I said, a change in your heart. If you got arrested by a foreign government, let's say you're a a Russian and you're a spy and you're carrying a gun and you get arrested by an American soldier and then you decide to change your mind, you decide to repent, you say, I believe in my heart that I want to be an American now, and the American says, okay, here's your gun, I want you to shoot this Russian colleague of yours, a spy, that is an action, the moment that you shoot that Russian spy, the Americans know for sure, for sure that you have changed, now, I'm not talking about murder. What I'm saying is your heart belief is a real substance. You know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that is measurable. Whoa, this is deep, guys. If you... You believe in your heart that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. There is an echo that goes off in your heart, which is a spiritual mind that reverberates through eternity. And it is accounted to you as righteousness. It is a measurable change. So if you don't believe God, Nothing will happen. So that's what I'm saying. You can go to church and not believe God. The Pharisees believed in God, but they were not righteous. They went to hell. Jesus said they are the sons of Satan. The devil believes in God. He physically has seen God face to face, but he is going to hell. So belief isn't in the mind. Belief is not In observation, that's why Jesus said, even if I rose your brother from the dead, even if I rose Lazarus from the dead and sent him to your brothers, they would not believe. Let them believe Abraham. Let them believe the prophets. In other words, even if I showed you a miracle, you wouldn't believe. So it doesn't matter. You don't have to go around you know, healing people and raising them from the dead to say Jesus Christ is real. He is real. Some people will believe just because you told them. Others might believe because of the signs, and that's great, but the belief has to happen in their hearts, and there's no miracle that can change people's minds. In fact, it's often worse for people when they see a miracle because then they are accountable for what they've seen. That's why if you wonder, why doesn't God just turn up? Why don't angels just walk around the room? Because God loves you so much that he wants you to walk through the narrow gate. He needs you to go through the eye of a needle, a camel through the eye of a needle. Why? Because he loves you so much. If he turned up in physical form and you didn't believe him, you would be condemned. I've experienced this in a sense. I, t- I talked about it on another episode previously this year, that I went to New Zealand with a son of God. I had only met Christians, okay? And this guy was a son of God, okay? He moved in the power of God. One story was I met, I flew to Adelaide to be with him and see him preach, and he said, come for a walk, five minutes, before the service was starting, and it was a real privilege to be there and to be invited. And he said, oh, can you feel the angels around your feet? Now, it physically felt like I was walking through water. I mean, I felt the angels around my feet. Another time he said to a group of us to look out the window, and he said, there's going to be signs in the stars, have a look out the window. About 12 of us looked out the window and immediately an asteroid st- storm came past and we sh- we saw one, two, three shooting stars. You know, this guy predicted the earthquakes in New Zealand before they happened in 2010, 2012. He predicted them. I mean, he actually, you know, moved to New Zealand to be there and he also predicted that hydrogen would be the ba- the basis of the world economy. This, I had that on record from 20, 2007 or something. So now that's all happening now. Now, he said that, you know, but this, this guy wasn't a Christian. I mean, this guy was a son of God. He was moving in the power of God, and he's the closest person to, you know, Smith Wigglesworth or whatever I've ever met. Uh, and and it really challenged me because I I had unbelief. I was going to church, but I was a little bit like a Pharisee myself, you know, a form of godliness but denying its power. And what I'm saying to you is, I when I, I saw him do miracles, my brain hurt. I mean, it really hurt my brain. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it honestly, I couldn't believe it. Now I carried the power. When I came back to my church, I broke my church. I, I literally broke my church. I a lot of people couldn't handle it, you know and we had a really, really beautiful church of about 40 people because maybe about 40 or 50 people left. Uh, they couldn't handle me. they couldn't handle me because I told them the truth. And I moved in the power of God and I broke down and cried and and screamed and wailed in front of them in public, you know, because I was paralyzed by this power of God. I I remember one service, <laughs> one service, I had grabbed the microphone and I said, Don't touch me or you might die. You know, because I the power of God was coursing through my veins. And I literally had the fear of God on me that if somebody who had sin in their life was to touch me, that they would drop dead immediately. This is the kingdom of God. I hope you've enjoyed it, guys. I love you. God bless you. Be at peace. Do a word study. I'm telling you the truth. Do a word study on righteousness. Amen. Hey guys, as a supplement to this episode on righteousness, here is an activity for you. First of all, Romans chapter 8 verse 32 says that if God gave us Jesus, how will he not also with him give us all other things as well? And just think about it. He poured out the blood of his own son on that tree for us. If the Father God poured out the blood of his Son for you, then how much more will he give you everything else as well, everything that you need? For the Bible says that God is our inheritance and we are his inheritance. Romans 8.32 says, For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son and since god freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give so i want you to ask based on your righteousness which is a gift from god it is the righteousness of jesus christ giving you the equal right as jesus has to approach the throne of God with confidence and to demand your rights. God is saying, would you, you know, gate crash heaven? Would you break in? I've given you the keys. So there's nothing that you can ask that is according to his will that he won't give you. God, he wants to. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. John Chapter 5 in the first epistle of John, the letter, 1 John chapter 5 says in verse 15, if uh, it says, Since we have this confidence, we can also have great boldness before God. For if we ask anything that's agreeable to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we also know that we have obtained the request that we ask him of. So this is exciting for us. The second part of this admonition, this supplementary sort of admonition, is that many people, unlike you and I, many people have disregarded the truth. They don't want the truth. I've often looked around at the world these days politically, economically and, you know, medicinally and wondered what is driving people's behavior. What has caused people to go to these incredible lengths and to make decisions? So Romans chapter 1 said they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. So God gave them over to depravity of mind. Depraved is defined as morally corrupt and wicked. So Romans chapter 1 is saying that God has given people over to morally corrupt and wicked minds. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. Why? Because although they know God's righteous decree, verse 32, that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So what is the point? The point is God gave them over to a depraved mind. Why? Because they exchanged, exchanged. It's like going to a marketplace and exchanging your truth for a lie, going up to the market where they sell lies, and you bring your, your truth and you give it away. This is the opposite of how we become righteous. This is the opposite of repentance. Repentance is a result of coming face to face with the truth and changing your heart, changing your mind, and exchanging your lie for the truth. Even a Christian needs to repent. Jesus commands us to repent. The book of Revelation is full of letters, direct commands from Jesus Christ, the chief commander. Direct commands. This isn't just from Paul or James or Peter although that would be enough but from Jesus Christ the king himself he commands the church to repent which means that we have to exchange lies for the truth maybe you've believed a lie about yourself maybe you believe that you're not worthy or you can't qualify or you or god won't help you in some way so as you encounter the truth you repent you exchange the lie for the truth. The last scripture I have here today is 2 Thessalonians 2.11. It says, for this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. For this reason, God will send them a powerful delusion. So God is the one sending the delusion. When you look in the newspaper and you look on the news and you wonder why are things happening? Why are people believing this? Incredible deception. Part of it is they exchange the truth of God for a lie. The other part of it is God is giving them over. Verse 7 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. And the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. Remember, this is an episode about righteousness. The opposite of righteousness is lawlessness. Lawlessness is when you murder babies and you say that you're doing it to help the woman. 41% of deaths in the United States of America are abortion. 41%. Okay. So verse 10, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. Now, guys, what I'm saying is is twofold. Part of it is helping you to understand this, this is God. I mean, this is biblical, guys, what's happening in the earth today, and it is only going to increase. Those who are of the light will shine ever brighter, but those who are of the night We're of the day, but those who are of the night, they are going to go, I believe it's going to, you know, they're going to get worse. It's going to get worse because God has given them over to the delusion. So I'm not saying that on an individual level they can't be saved. But what I'm saying is you are light. You have repented. You have exchanged the lie for the truth. But people, there are people who have exchanged the truth for a lie. And we can't help them. You know, the book of Revelation says, he who is sinning, let him keep sinning. And he who's doing righteousness, let him keep doing righteousness. I mean, it's, it's in Revelation chapter 22, verse 11. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. Now, I'm not saying not to preach. We should preach the gospel of the kingdom. But I'm saying Jesus said, shake the dust off your feet. It'll be worse for that town who didn't receive the kingdom message through Christians than it was for Sodom and Gomorrah. These are the days we're living in. So keep your lamp burning. Be, rejoice in your righteousness. Don't take it for granted, though. Continue to repent. Continue to... To receive from God and shake heaven. Go into heaven. You know, oh, that we would rend the heavens, it says in Isaiah. You know, and and God is wanting us to do that. Isaiah 64 verse 1, if only you would rend the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. And God is saying that you and I would rend the heavens, that we would would say, where's the God of Elijah, that we would take our righteousness and demand in a, in a sonship as revealed sons of God, that we would demand that heaven invades earth, that the kingdom would come, that signs and wonders would come, that demons would leave, that we would use our righteousness to bankrupt heaven because it's already been bankrupted in the sense that God has poured out the blood of his son. So we need to shake heaven and we need to use our righteousness in prayer through manifestation of our mouth to see his reward and his prize. And that is setting people free, saving people, healing people, loving people and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. You and I have been well looked after so that we can now Live for the benefit of others. Thanks so much for listening. I've been Jonathan. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Bye for now. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Kingdom Dynamics podcast. And really, I'm just giving you guys the opportunity to be defragmented in your mind and in your soul. Listen, Jesus Christ has died for you. There is nothing left in heaven. That he hasn't already given you. He's already given you the kingdom. He's given you the name of God. He's given you the power of the spirit. He's given you the keys to the kingdom. He's given you the earth. He gave mankind the earth. He's given you His son. He's given you His spirit. He's given you the mind of Christ. He's given you the Bible. He's given you wisdom and knowledge and understanding. He's praying for you, Jesus. is praying for you at the right hand of god interceding for you he's sent angels to help you he's forgiven you for your sins which is the biggest part so there is nothing left in heaven it's been bankrupted it's been it's been emptied out for you and for me the blood of jesus was was shed you know it dripped down i can see it dripping down his arm dripping down off his elbow onto the ground. Each drop like an earthquake hitting the ground. His blood went into the the mercy seat in heaven, not the one made by man as a copy. And this is very significant because everything on earth is a copy of heaven. You and I are a copy of God. A Xerox, we are exactly like our father. And 1 John says that we will be like him when we see him. When we see Jesus Christ, the the firstborn from among the dead, we will be like him. We are just like our father. Jesus said, as the father sent me, I'm sending you. And I want to confess to you guys a confession I need to make the confession is i'm I'm using you that's right I'm using all of you who are listening because I need to give away what I've freely received It's important for me to to share the revelation that I have and and I want you to have it and we're coming into a day God says to me prophetically we're coming into a day where where people will be hungry for the word of God, where they're going to want the word of God. For example, maybe during this you know, virus, maybe your church closed down. Maybe they closed their doors. Maybe they required masks, social distancing, and they complied with the government. But when there's another virus that actually kills people, you know, like an airborne Ebola or a smallpox hybrid uh, or when there's literally no food on the shelves, like there's no food, then religion's not going to work for you. When you need the kingdom of God or you're going to die. You see, people who went to Jesus for healing, they had no other opportunity. They had no options. There wasn't a healthcare system, a safety net, a centre link. When people went to Jesus, it was Jesus or die. Peter said to Jesus, where will I go? You have the words of life. But unfortunately, we've created a religion of Christianity where you can go to a church, a good church, a great church, a church that loves people and, and feeds the, the poor and whatnot. But are they making you into a follower of Jesus Christ? Or are they making you into a a religious person? You see, Jesus said, beware of the yeast, the teaching of religion. Beware of the yeast because yeast affects the whole lump of dough. So you can go to church and not become like Jesus. There's a certain person in my life, I've traveled with him, Invested in businesses together, bought properties together, had a thousand meals together, yet I don't know him. You know, if he rang me up, I'd I'd be polite, but I would my heart would say, Who are you? You see, Jesus said this about Christians, Christians who would, would expect to be welcomed into the kingdom of God, but they don't they did not do what the Father told them to do. And that's what Jesus says is a qualification for a believer. If you believe, these signs will follow you. And if you believe, you will do the will of my Father. The will of the Father is to love people. The will of the Father is to do what Jesus is doing. Say what he's saying. To be known by him. Religion is When you're still trying to find God, the kingdom is when you are God. You are made in the image of God. You are his son. You are his child. You own everything. That might sound shocking to people, but Jesus said it in Psalm 82, verse 6. He said, you are gods to whom the word of God has come. He said, Father, I pray that they would be one as we are one. Now, I'm not saying that I am the creator of the universe. I'm not saying that I am omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. No, 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 no. Far from it. I'm nothing. Like Jesus said, I can do nothing, but the Father does it through me. I'm an echo of God. I'm an image of God. I'm made in the image of my Father. And if you see me, you see the Father. Okay, Jesus said, be perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. So I'm saying that that I am as good as God on the earth. I can pray for you. I can heal you of your diseases. I can forgive your sins according to Jesus. I will judge the angels. And let me tell you this. This is incredible. I am in Christ Jesus, seated at the right hand of God right now in heaven. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? It means that God is making my enemies my footstool. Psalm 110 verse 1 says, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Hallelujah. I am seated at the table and God is preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My enemies are becoming my footstool. Jesus is doing it. The Father is doing it. And all I have to do and all you have to do is agree with him. A believer, a Christian is a believer. Jesus said, if you, if you are truly my disciples, you will bear much fruit. How do we bear fruit? By yielding, by receiving. So why don't you just wait on God today? He's praying for you that you would be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. He's praying for you that you would be like your father. Jesus said to Mary, I go to my God and your God, my Father and your Father. He prayed that we'd be one. He prayed to the Father that, that the glory that Jesus had in the beginning, before the creation of the world, that we would share in that fullness, in that glory. So, Father, would you give it to these people today in Jesus' name. May there not be a religious bone in their body. Shake it out of them, Father God, in Jesus' name. Let them see that the seed of the kingdom is the seed that they are made of, the seed that has been planted in their heart. It grows to become the biggest tree in their garden until they no longer live, but Christ lives within them. Let them be like Paul saying, I know nothing at all but Christ crucified. Jesus Christ, you are enough. Listen, if he is going to spit you out of his mouth, then he would have had to eat you. And we are at the communion table of Jesus. When we eat him, we eat his body. We drink his blood and he eats our body in a sense and drinks our blood. That's communion. We know him. We know him because we are intimate with him. So if he's going to spit you out of his mouth it's because he's already eaten you that means that he's already had communion with you he's already been close to you so it's really important that you and I stay hot we don't he doesn't like lukewarm food he doesn't like it he likes hot food so stay in the word of god stay in the presence of the fire of the holy spirit continue to lay down on the altar and be cooked by God receive the blessings of God but receive the persecutions as well as you do what the father's doing as you say what he is saying the the return of jesus christ is imminent and what that means thanks to a study i'm doing with chuck missler is that there is no precursor to the return of christ the imminent return of christ doctrinally and biblically means that he doesn't have to wait for any particular things to happen before he can return. You know, we don't have to wait for the bowls of wrath to be poured out. We don't have to wait for the temple to be rebuilt because it's not biblical. Those things are interpretations of man, and who knows when the end is going to come. Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour, but the one thing we know for sure undeniably is that the return of Christ is imminent. Imminent means it's the next thing to happen. He went up in the clouds and the angel said, in the same way that you saw him go, is he going to return? Like there's no other steps that need to take place. There is no first, second and third steps. No, the moment has come where he has left And the next immediate thing to happen following is his return. So he could come back at any moment. And what I want to say to you today from the Spirit of God is that, and I'm not God, by the way, I'm not God, but I am his son. I'm made in his image. I look like him. I smell like him. I taste like him. And so do you. We are not animals. We are, we are the God men. We are made in the image of God. We're children of God. And he wants you to know this. He wants you to know that there is abundance in the kingdom, that there is no lack in the kingdom. There is abundance. There, there's nothing you have to do. You are a citizen. You own everything. So don't think like the pagans do. Don't think about scarcity. You know, sickness is about scarcity. Poverty is about scarcity. Stockpiling food even is about scarcity unless the Lord is commanding you to do it. What, what Do what he's saying and nothing else. Really, it seems ludicrous. It seems unfair. It seems irresponsible. But don't do anything that he's not doing. He'll tell you when to fight. He'll tell you when to pray. He'll tell you when to fast. Listen, the word of God is alive and he lives inside of you. Hebrews said the word of God is alive and active. So there's no moment when, your Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit living in you is not talking to you. There's no moment when the Holy Spirit living in you is not active. There's no moment when the Holy Spirit living in you doesn't want to jump out and touch somebody. We need to acknowledge and repent of our own hardness of heart where we've quenched the Holy Spirit, we've grieved the Holy Spirit, where we do experience and have the worries of the world that, that that choke the seed of the kingdom. The kingdom is wanting to manifest. So, Father, we repent. We repent when we haven't picked up the phone, when we haven't said hello, when we haven't said, well, can, what, can I pray for you, when we haven't run across the road to to hug a stranger who you are putting compassion in our hearts to hug. Father God, would you challenge us today to be moved by the power of the Holy Spirit because we have abundance, because we have all things we need for life and godliness. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Give him a clap. We praise you, Lord. Praise Jesus. Praise you, praise you, praise you. You are the one, you are the living one. You never die and you're coming back again, coming back again. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. You've been amazing. Thanks for listening. Please share this far and wide. Be healed in Jesus' name. Amen.